Welcome to the Meg's Podcast. I'm Megan Coleman. And I'm Meg Grievous. We're two sister-in-laws with two opposite personalities living in two different states. But we're here with one goal, to encourage you through our honest and funny conversations about the important and not so important things in life. Because we believe today is a perfect day to laugh with someone. So I have my coffee. I have my lip gloss. I even have a bottle of water. Like I have all the things. All the things. I'm prepared for today's episode. If you can't already tell, I'm super excited because today we have a guest speaker on. I know. This is going to be great. It really is. And I'm sure a ton of our listeners already actually know who she is. They probably follow her. I'm excited. So will you tell everybody who she is, what she does? Yeah. So today we have Mary Ellen Phipps on the episode with us. She is a nationally recognized registered dietitian. She started milkandhoneynutrition.com. She's the author of a cookbook. Mary Ellen and I, we've known each other for a handful of years. She lives in the Houston area where I am and she is amazing. Meg, we are going to learn so much from her today. And I know that our listeners will too. I think the thing that I love most about her is her heart to really just bring bring joy back to the kitchen for people, specifically people who are struggling with diabetes or celiac disease because she has type one diabetes. I think she was diagnosed as a child with it and her husband has celiac disease. And so just, I'm sure the struggles that she's had over the years as a mom and a wife and cooking for the family. I mean, we can both relate to that. But I think I'm most excited to hear how she brings the joy back because I lack so much joy in the kitchen. (laughs) My husband does all of the cooking because I get super grumpy. So I can't wait to hear what she has to say about that. Well, this is probably the one thing, Megan, that we have in common. In common. Because I don't really love to cook either. So I need some of her joy as well. Um, I'm excited to learn a few, you know, healthy holiday menu ideas from her. I'm sure she'll share, but we're really going to touch on a little bit of everything because I've also just loved learning. She has grown a thriving business. And so she's a mom and a businesswoman. And I just can't wait to hear um, some tips that she has uh, for our working moms and people that are growing a business out there as well. So yeah, she's going to be Great. Yeah, she's been interviewed by numerous media outlets like Diabetes Forecast and Yahoo News, Real Simple, Healthline. I mean, she's amazing and I cannot wait for us to dive in. So are you ready? I'm ready. All right, let's go. Mary Ellen, we are so excited that you are joining us today. This is such a blessing to be able to sit down for a few minutes and just get to hear your heart and who you are. I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Yeah. We, I know that you and I have known each other for a handful of years, but uh, Meg, you know, you and Mary Ellen are kind of just meeting. We're meeting for the first time and I'm really excited because you don't know this, but I've kind of been like sweetly stalking your (laughs) website and your blog and just wanting to Hi, know I'm more and more with that. <laughs> well, you and Megan are friends. And I was like, oh, I've got to know more and more about her. And I actually uh, was just reading one of your blog posts about, and I'm, 
I hope it's okay. I'm diving into this because kind of obsessed with it. One of your blog posts was a DIY on kitchen cleaning. And I loved this because you listed out things. I'm such a list thinker. And here's what, it's probably embarrassing actually, but one of the things that you listed on there that I didn't know that I was supposed to be cleaning and doing. Megan, did you know that your dishwasher has a filter? I I do know that actually. <laughs> so I will, I don't clean it. How how often am I supposed to clean this said filter? Mary Ellen, how often do you are you supposed to clean these dishwasher filters? I think I don't know what the technical like recommendation is, but we check ours a few times a year. Uh, just to kind of see, because this backstory on that, we learned the hard way um, at a previous house we lived in. Uh, when we like moved in, the dishwasher, like for the first year or so, just never, it never really got the dishes clean. I felt like, you know, you, you pull them out and you're like, oh, I got to hand wash this because it didn't get it all the way off and all of this. Well, then we're finally like, okay, we're going to replace the dishwasher. So we get a new one and the guy comes to like swap out the old one and put the new one in. And he's like, uh, just FYI, like we had never cleaned the filter or the drain line. Um, and so not only did it have all of our grossness in there, but the previous owners as well. And That's me. Oh, it was just gross. And then I had a sweet friend who several, a uh, little while later taught me how to do it and all of that. So learn the hard way, but now we know. <laughs> well, that's totally me. As soon as we finish up, I will be cleaning out. Have you our- ever cleaned one out, Meg? We've been here a year. I didn't even know I know that's what's so <laughs> awful and embarrassing. I hope I'm not the only one. I'm well, sure you're I, not alone. I did really enjoy kind of combing through and looking at uh, your website and um, just your social media platform and all that stuff. And me and Megan actually had a really good question as far as, um, you know, what does actually a registered dietitian, like, what does that mean? Sounds super fancy and we don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a very common question I get. A lot of people, you're definitely not alone. A lot of people don't know that. So the way I describe it is that the more common term you're probably used to hearing is a nutritionist. And so Mm -hmm. the good way to think about it is all all registered dietitians are nutritionists, but all not all nutritionists are registered dietitians. And so registered dietitian is um, a legally defined term. Uh, It is a, a... uh, credential that we have. We take a board certified exam. We are held to a standard of ethics, a standard of practice responsibilities, and then have to get continuing education units, uh, much like a doctor or a physical therapist or a nurse would. Um, we are pretty much the only ones that can give um, medical nutrition therapy in most states, like here in Texas. You have to be a registered dietitian to give nutrition therapy. Um, whereas a nutritionist, if you went to bed tonight, had a dream about food and being healthier per se, and woke up tomorrow morning and thought, I'm going to be a nutritionist, you could start calling yourself a nutritionist right then and there. There is no, there's no legally defined term. Now there are some great nutritionists out there. Like I certainly don't want to lump that entire population together. Um, but unfortunately there's no way to know the um, difference without them telling you what the training was, where when I say I'm a registered dietitian, you know, that I have to have a four year undergraduate degree. Most of us have graduate degrees and we have to have completed a 1200 hour internship and taken our certification exam. Wow. 
Wow. No, I okay. Know I'm already <laughs> impressed. <laughs> Me too. I'm taking, I'm already taking notes. Like I did not know any of, you know, any of that stuff. So, um, but you have, um, until, and sorry, Megan, I'm like, you know, girl, you go for it. You know, that <laughs> you love to talk she's, and love asking the questions that does not bother me at all. She's laughing. Cause she knows like I'm on a roll today. Yes. Uh, so Mary Ellen, you have type one diabetes and your husband has celiac disease. Am I saying that right too? How do yeah. you pronounce that? Did celiac. I say celiac disease? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so, you know, what is that like getting those kind of diagnosis? you know, even early, were you a child? How has that affected um, you when you hear that? And and how has that changed how you approach food and, and how you approach things in the kitchen? So I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes when I was five. So I don't remember life before yeah. the diagnosis. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the emotions I felt or anything like that. I have these vague memories of being in the hospital for a few days and coming home. Um, but I've, all I've known is testing my blood sugar and shots and things like that. Um, my mom also has type one diabetes and so does her sister. And so does my uncle and so does my nephew. So it's definitely like a genetic thing that happens in our family. Uh, but I think growing up, one thing it's taught me is to appreciate the day and age that we live in. Um, kind of, we, I mean, everybody laughs about how like awful 2020 has been. And while it hasn't exactly been the best year, let's be honest. Um, I'm always thankful every day that I live in this day and time and not a hundred, 200 years ago where there was no treatment people, they called it the wasting disease. They didn't know what it was. And now I can wear a continuous glucose monitor. I can wear an insulin pump and kind of live a pretty much normal life. Sure. It comes with its challenges and things, but uh, I'm thankful for that. Um, I do think it's taught me from, you know, pretty much the age where I could really understand this, maybe 12, 13 years old, that what you're told in a doctor's office about food often is very depressing. (laughs) If you have some sort of chronic condition. Um, and I think my husband would say the same with celiac disease. I was telling him he's so lucky he married a dietitian, (laughs) Uh, but, um, I'll tell that story here in a second, but I learned from an early age that I did not have to be relegated to this bland, boring, steamed veggies and chicken kind of life. Um, There is a way to prepare food that is nourishing to your body, whether you have diabetes or not, and still tastes delicious. Um, And I'm really passionate about, you know, milk and honey nutrition, that symbolism from the Bible of milk and honey and how food is meant to be celebrated. It's it's okay if it's a reward. Uh, That's kind of a controversial topic for a lot of people, but God offered it as a reward in the Bible. It was something to be celebrated. It was something to look forward to. Um, And so I think it's important to kind of remember that when we're looking at food day in and day out. Um, But I'll I'll shift a little bit. And my husband's celiac diagnosis, we were actually, I always get, I can't remember if we were dating or engaged, but we, um, he always kind of seemed to have stomach troubles. And he always just told me, oh, you know, I have a sensitive stomach, like it just kind of is what it is. And I always kind of had my doubts. So fast forward, we get married and we had already had our first daughter and we were on vacation with my family. And he, um, my dad and my brother and him went down to like the hotel restaurant bar or whatever, and had like a guy's pizza and beer get together. And they, um, he came back to the hotel room and was just so sick the entire night. You know, of course it's like, 
you know, I didn't eat that much. I only had one drink, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And so we were trying to figure out like what happened. And sure, I was like, when we get home, you are going and getting tested for celiac because there's no other explanation for what's happening. And sure enough, he was positive. Um, and you know, that like mega meal of essentially wheat from all those sources um, kind of triggered this um, reaction in him. And so thankfully I'm a dietitian. Um, and so we knew how to navigate this, but a celiac is another condition that if you don't know any better and the doctor just hands you a handout and says, here, go eat gluten-free, it can be kind of depressing because you don't really know where to go with that. So for that person that just gets diagnosed, you know, a celiac or with some other chronic disease or diabetes, and they're super scared, like, how do you give them hope? you know, for the kitchen and for their meals, because I think the, you know, bland chicken and vegetables is what I would be cooking anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I think it's important to remember that you don't have to do it alone. Like that's why, whether it's a registered dietitian or maybe a close friend who has the same condition or a friend of a friend that they can put you in contact with. um, It's important to remember that if like, there's more hope to it again, you know, food is this thing to be enjoyed and loved. And there's, regardless of what area of like, you know, career or interests we have, there's always someone out there who knows a little bit more than you do. And so don't let yourself think, well, you know, all you can know, it's just got to be this way. Uh, And so one thing I would say, you know, if you're at the doctor and you get a diagnosis like that is ask for a referral to a dietitian or ask what resources they have, but to also keep in mind that you can go beyond the doctor because a lot of times my closest friend um, is a pediatrician here in Houston. And I remember I was going through my grad program to be a dietitian at the same time she was in med school. And she would call me with all of these nutrition questions, because they'd be thrown into a patient's room and expected to answer these questions. But I think they got maybe like a six week course on the basics of nutrition. And that was it in all of med school. So and she went to one of the top med schools um, in the country. And so um, it's important to know that there's other resources out there. Um, But and to also, a lot of times I hear too, someone will get sent to a dietitian, and maybe they just didn't, their personalities didn't click, they didn't really, they felt even more depressed after leaving their office. Um, And so just like with doctors, there's other options out there with dietitians. And, you know, food is this as much as we want to say food is fuel and it's just that, and you should be able to do it. Like food is emotional. It is tied to our feelings and our emotions and all these things. And so if you're going to someone to talk about food and you're not happy talking to that person, definitely look for someone else. Yeah. I am very emotional about food. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. It is okay. I I love that you're talking about like celebrating it and it should taste good. Like those are the parts of the food that I that's what I love. Like that is, it's just hard for me to get my food to taste good. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. my husband is definitely the better cook of us too. So how would you, you know, if you had women, men in America sitting in front of you, an audience, and they struggled in the kitchen, just bringing that joy and finding a way to celebrate food or even just making it taste good. What is the one thing that you think is like an a mistake that's so easy to fix or what would you tell that audience? Some advice. Yes. Yeah. I would just say to take it back to the basics and, you know, again, going back to, we live in modern times, there's a lot of like healthy, nourishing shortcut options you can find at the grocery store. Um, But also don't feel like you have to be standing over the stove for 30 to 45 minutes every night cooking. Like, you know, it, while I'm not like a huge 
meal prep or meal planning advocate, I mean, if that works for you, by all means, I say do it. But you don't have to do that. Just simply the process of thinking ahead a few days can, you know, eliminate a ton of stress. Um, And then, you know, one of the biggest tips I can give to people, especially people who are like, I don't cook, I don't know how to cook, I don't like cooking. is this concept of the snack meal. Uh, if it's something I talk to moms all the time about, people with diabetes, and like you don't have to have this elaborately prepared meal. You can get a plate out, you know, put some fruit on it, put some vegetables on it, put a fat source, put a protein source, you know, kind of maybe all these little snacks you would have. Um, I'm using my hands like the people listening can see what I'm doing. But, <laughs> um, that, and build this plate of essentially a snack meal. Um, it's very trendy, aka charcuterie, a bento box, all of this. You can get a perfectly balanced and nourishing meal that you've quote unquote prepared that way as well. And so start with the basics like that. Um, and I think this or I think I think I might be jumping ahead, but that's just kind of the the idea that you know take it a few steps back and like what do you know how to prepare? Where is your skill set? Um, and then talk to that registered dietitian or even a culinary you know cooking class type thing to learn the basics of cooking. I think Mary Ellen, where I get stumped in the kitchen or overwhelmed is this idea of having to have. Um, you know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, cooking a meal every single night. Do you ever do like something that you cook one night and then you guys just like eat on it or shift it and change it a little for the next night? Or do your kids get really bored with that? I see. I have a husband. My husband is not a leftover guy at all, uh-huh. unless well, it can go into a tortilla as a taco. Uh, <laughs> and then he will eat it. But if it cannot right, fit so into the taco, he's out with the leftovers. My husband loves leftovers. My girls don't mind eating the same thing. Uh, but, and they're five and seven for reference. Uh, but you know, anytime I cook, I always do enough to get us at least two dinner meals out of it. Um, but also when you think about, um, in Ben's sake for your husband, like, you know, eggs are a powerful tool. Like if you have like a pasta dish with some chicken or something, you can repurpose that, throw it in a bowl, put an egg on top. Another kind of trick I'll use is, um, if you've got like kind of like your, meat, grain, and veggie type meal, and you've got leftovers for the next night, is you can throw those ingredients on top of like a bed of greens, like, and make it a salad. Um, Going back to the eggs, you can do a fried egg and like pop that yolk, and that kind of makes like a dressing for the salad. It sounds so gourmet, but it's so simple uh, and takes, well, how long does it take to fry an egg? Like three minutes? Uh, So lots of different things like that. I don't know if they would eat a fried egg if I told them it was a fried egg, but if I just like did it as the drizzle, like, you know, on the, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and to not like lead anybody to believe my kids are perfect eaters as well. They will not touch a fried egg. They have to have scrambled. So we would scrambled. throw it as scrambled on top for them. Okay. So theirs has to be scrambled. Yeah. My kids will eat scrambled. My youngest Landry, she will eat scrambled only if there's cheese on top. Hey, that's okay. I like me some cheese I have very too. different. Yeah. Eat, my girls are both drastically different eaters. My teenage daughter will try anything and everything. She's a huge veggie eater for me. She always has been. My younger eight-year-old, if it's not like mac and cheese or chicken nuggets, like she's not having it. Like, do you run across when you're meeting with patients even, do you what do you run across as far as picky eaters? Like where, what's your go-to? Yeah, so this is not like professionally speaking, 
picky eaters and all that is not really my area of expertise. But what I do in my own house, because I have one like that, I have one that is willing to try anything. And I have one who's like, (laughs) like to pretty much anything she's never seen before. And I think the, the best thing you can do is make sure this is talking to the picky eating child, make sure there's always at least one safe food for her. Um, make sure there's one that they like, but then they as a like. parent, it is your job because I mean, kids are, they're smarter than we give them credit for. And if they know that they can skip dinner and in a couple hours, mommy says, I'm hungry. I want a snack and get that snack. A snack. There's the motivation yeah. to eat dinner or even try it. So They'll wait. Um, what we do right. in our house is I will, um, you know, I always make sure there's at least something they both like and will eat. Then past that, if they're not willing to try what I've made or they, you know, just aren't really into it that night, they know that if they ask me for food in an hour or two hours, I'm going to pull that plate back out and I'm going to put it in front of them and I'm going to offer it to them. But you have to hold firm. <laughs> oh, yeah. I oh, love I love that. that. You keep foil, the plate. Do whatever you want to do. Uh, but then the other thing, too, as a parent to remember and, you know, unless there's like something clinical going on, which 95% of the time there's not, um, no child has ever intentionally Mm -hmm. starved themselves. They will eat. Um, I can't tell you how many times, probably at least once a week where my kids have gone to bed without eating dinner or eating much of a dinner. uh, And that's fine. Like you better believe that next morning she is scarfing down breakfast. Uh, and so they're yeah, starving. Yep. So yeah. that's my biggest piece of advice is you have to be consistent. I love that. Well, and I love that you said, you know, make sure that you're putting something in front of both of them that you know is healthy, good, that they, they will like and eat. Cause I don't think, I think sometimes I just forget to do that. These are such, I'm <laughs> jotting down notes. Y'all can't see this, but I'm writing down Mary Ellen. <laughs> I'm writing down all of your, your tips and everything. This is such good. I needed this. I needed the joy to be just brought back into the kitchen for me. And I love that that's your heart too. And one thing I'll add to just speaking to moms and why I think it's really important that we have that joy in the kitchen is because our kids, um, they they go off of what they see us do. And like we know, I'll use as women an example So when we look at the data and see children uh, who end up developing like an unhealthy relationship with food or disordered eating or even a full-blown eating disorder, what's more predictive of that is not what they like hear us say about them or what we say to them. It's what they hear us say about our own bodies and our own stance on food. And so if we Mm. are constantly talking about how we're stressed about food or talking about how we don't like our body, they pick up on that. And they, that is more, that's a bigger indicator of their future relationship with their body and food than it is of anything else. And so it's really important that when we are in the kitchen, we, and not, not like a fake it situation of like, Oh, I'm so happy cooking dinner over the stove, but that's why I'm really stressed. (laughs) Right. Like, no, we don't need to be fake. Like a leave it to be beaver realistic. kind of thing. Like what works for you and your family and don't set yourself up to be stressed out and having to paste this like fake smile on your face. Uh, make sure that you're putting yourself in a position to truly enjoy what's going on in the kitchen and your kids able to see that. I was going to say one of the things that I to, you know, if I am in the kitchen and I know I've got to pull it together, I often just put music on because I feel like that just helps everything. <laughs> I was going to ask both of you guys, do your kiddos like being in the kitchen with you 
cooking and, and, or, and, or do you let them help be a part of meal planning, like picking out a favorite meal for the week? So I, I'll answer your question in two parts. So in, in terms of letting them pick things out, anytime I'm going, I go to the grocery store more than once a week, but anytime I'm doing like our, like main weekly shopping, um, I'll ask them like, okay, here's the vegetables I'm thinking about buying. Which ones sound good to you? What fruits do you want for lunchtime, you know, this week? You know, what do you want me to get for breakfast? And, you know, we can kind of, as moms, craft those choices um, into things. And they have to all be things you're okay with them saying, because if you're hoping they're going to say one thing, they will probably say the other thing. Uh, But that's kind of how I get them involved in that. And then, as far as getting them in the kitchen, um, I think it's important. You can get kids in the kitchen as young as like, as soon as they can stand on a stool. And, you know, so usually around a year is what most of the um, pediatric experts will say. And, you know, get them in, get them helping. And then as they get older, you'll be able to see if they really do have an interest in food or if it's not really for them. And I've actually got one of each. I've got one who anytime she sees me start cooking that that girl is in there and she wants to help and she wants to crack the eggs and she wants to mix the bowl and all this. And then I've got one who's like, if I ask her, she'll come. And so I try to do that regularly, but she's like, she can take it or leave it. And so I think as long as you introduce that at a young age, they can really kind of help foster that desire for that. That's good. I need, I need to get to- my kids in the kitchen more. <laughs> I, this is my uh, lesson I'm learning today is pull them into the kitchen and have them help. Because I think because it's a, a can be a stressful situation for me, it's easier if they're not in oh, there with 100, me. 100%. It will take longer. Yes. It's more messier. stressful. It's, it's messier. Um, that's something as a very type A person myself, oh, I've yeah. had to get over the mess, but yes. it's definitely worth it. Well, you're building, you know, good character traits and healthy thoughts about food yeah. and you're instilling that in your children. I feel I, a little I, behind Meg. I feel like I, we need to up our game. <laughs> no joke. I have a list of about 10 things that like, I, and I know it's hard, like, cause when I walk away from interviews and stuff like this, I, I'm like, Oh, I want to do all of this. I think for me, if I pick two or three things and try and do those well, and then I can start kind of building on some of the other you know, tips that you've given us here today. But um, I wanted to also touch about, touch on real quick. You have your first cookbook coming out soon, right? I do. Yeah. So um, the Easy Diabetes Cookbook comes out on January 26th. Uh, This has been such a labor of love. And when I say like blood, sweat, and tears went into it, all all of those went into (laughs) it. Uh, Writing a cookbook in the middle of a global pandemic was interesting to say the least. Um, I remember like, so I first started back in fall of 2019 is when we started writing the book and I was knew it was going to be due um, in May of 2020. And I had all of my weeks and months planned out. I thought I have all this time. And then March hit And my kids are at home. There's food shortages. You can't find, especially produce. You can't find anything at the grocery store. Um, And so that was, it was interesting, but we got it done. Um, God dropped some people in my lap who were a huge help with that and um, were able to kind of help me tweak recipes and test things out and all that. Um, But yeah, it's a, it's meant to be this idea that you don't have to live a life of restriction with diabetes. It's more about what nutrients and foods are we going to add in. And so the front section of the book talks about that. And then the back section has 60 recipes um, across all different categories, but a heavy focus on 
quick and easy 15 to 30 minute meal ideas, which is perfect. Exactly what we were talking about. Right. Uh, and so a lot of, um, my dietitian friends that I've let see the book so far. And, um, I as well, you know, you don't have to have diabetes to enjoy the book. It, and my main goal was for it to be balanced recipes, um, that kind of fuel energy levels and balance blood sugars. Um, and so you can, um, I think you said, we'll put the link down in the notes, but yeah. I'll link it to the sales page. You can get it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Target, Books a Million, pretty much anywhere books are sold. Uh, and, oh, and if you pre-order, uh, before January 26th, um, it's kind of like a thank you. Um, cause I don't quite understand how that works, but apparently pre-orders are a big deal. When it's it a comes big deal. To it is a the big success deal. of a book. So yeah. as a thank you for that, we're offering, um, 15 bonus recipes and a four week meal plan complete with like grocery lists and recipes and all of that, um, that those are digital. So there's information on my website about how to claim those and make sure they get emailed to you. Yeah. And we'll link all that for you, Mary Ellen. So everybody knows. And I will say that's probably one of my favorite things about following you on Instagram and seeing all your super pretty pictures of all the food that I really want to do in my own kitchen (laughs) is that it does look super just normal and simple and not over the top hard. And so I've no doubt that the cookbook is going to be that same way that you know, Meg and I can even benefit from some of those easy recipes, even though we don't have diabetes or any chronic illnesses. Yeah, I hope so. And I would think so. Um, and that's definitely what I tell people, whether you're going to my website or my Instagram or buying the book, you know, if you want like a fancy, elaborate, spend, you know, an hour, hour and a half date night in the kitchen type kind of recipe, I'm not your girl. But if you want <laughs> easy, realistic, simple balanced options. Um, that's what I strive to provide people. And tips. You've got awesome tips on your website. I mean, I'm learning all about the air fryer now because of what you've got going on on your website, because we've got one sitting under the Christmas tree, just waiting for Christmas day to be unwrapped and used. And we've never had an air fryer. So I'm going to go on and stock all of your, you know, Logan wants Logan wants one so bad. So maybe I should add this to a Christmas Christmas list list. for yeah for him too. He talks about it all the time. Like our neighbor has one, and he cooks amazing stuff in it. So I need to check that out too. I feel like the air fryer is the new instant pot. You know, it's like when the instant pot was really big a couple years ago, which I have, and I've used twice, and now it sits in my (laughs) pantry on the top shelf. I'm hoping that the air fryer is going to be like more yeah. of my game. Quick veggies, right? You can do quick veggies right. in it. So and- the air fryer, it, it again goes back to that like easing the stress in the kitchen. And that's why it appealed to me. Whereas like the Instant Pot, you have like you had to learn a whole new contraption yeah. and all this where like an air fryer and I go into, I have like, you know, explanation blog posts and then recommendations for ones I like, and then it links to recipes and things like that. But it's really like, you can think about what you'd cook in your microwave. So like if you throw vegetables in the microwave, they're kind of soggy, they come out wet and steamed. Whereas if you throw them in the air fryer, uh, it takes less time and they come out crispy. They come out more flavorful. It's a it's a dry method of cooking, um, which kind of mimics an oven. And when we cook things with dry methods, they tend to have more flavor. It brings out those natural flavors rather than a wet method like the microwave, which is just kind of soggy. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody um, wants soggy vegetables. No. <laughs> now I really want some steam, not steamed, but um, 
air, air fried fry vegetables, <laughs> like Brussels sprouts. I'm craving. Ooh, I do Brussels not like Brussels sprouts. I know Mary oh, Ellen, you've them. had pictures on your Instagram love of Brussels them. sprouts, but I am not, not I'm a and then like air fryer carrot fries. I, that's a recipe I have on my oh, website. Oh, yeah. Um, that if you you get those things nice and crispy, and I won't pretend it tastes like a French fry, but it does <laughs> taste like a nice crispy carrot, which is so good. That is yummy. Okay, so what is, you know, you're kind of a recipe maker. What are you putting on your Christmas table or what's something, a recipe that we can share with our listeners that you either created or that you are going to have, you know, on your Christmas table this year? Yeah. So one of the things with the holidays and if this is if like, if it's your jam to make things healthier, try to take like classic dishes and make them healthier, that's fine. But what I try to tell people is you don't have to one day out of the year, two days out of the year is not going to make or break your health. Just like, you know, doing one workout or eating one salad doesn't instantly make you healthy. You know, having one like delicious indulgent meal does not instantly make you unhealthy. Um, so mine are kind of definitely not more in that healthier space, but just more in that joy filled space. And so one of the people that taught me how to cook, it was my grandma. And so she's got a pound cake recipe, a cheesecake recipe and her cornbread dressing recipe, which our family eats twice Yum. a year at Thanksgiving and at Christmas. Yum. Um, and um, so we make those, but then I also try to be cognizant of what I'm putting on the table and holidays are the perfect occasion to put, let produce shine as well. And mm. so I've got some, I know Megan, you won't like this, but maple roasted Brussels sprouts <laughs> usually find their way onto our table. Uh, and then probably some other, maybe those carrot fries or things like that. Meg, Actually, I'm probably going to think... try to Oh, I was going to say, Meg, I think I see drool like coming out it of is. your mouth right now. <laughs> it is. Could I just have you, you at maple covered Brussels? Yes. <laughs> can I just have you over and like, you can just give me lessons in the kitchen, all the lessons, all the holiday cooking. Lessons. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but no, produce is a great, it's a great way to, um, kind of up the fiber content of a meal. Um, but yeah. Does your husband ever stray? I guess really probably not from eating gluten of any kind just because it is like straight on oh, celiac. No, yeah, he can't, get, he'll get sick. He'll get very sick. And I, anytime I can tell when he's like thinking about if it's worth it, I'm like, no, because I'm the one who's going to have to be up in the middle of the night taking care oh, of me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, but no, he doesn't because that, I mean, celiac's different than diabetes and that there is like real almost instantaneous within a few hours, negative side effects that you would start to see. So the only thing that is always on our Thanksgiving or Christmas table is that's the request of my dad is a sugar cream pie. And so you can what imagine is that? it is literally sugar. and cream. <laughs> you take it and you, it's uh you warm up the heavy cream and it's like two cups of heavy cream. You warm it up and then you have sugar and flour that you sift together with a little salt. And then you mix those together with some vanilla and do a cold bath. So it kind of like solidifies yeah. a little and then put it in the pie, you know, thing and bake it. Why don't you just give them a sugar cube? It is. Like it like it is awesome. Well, but, but, and I'm looking at the, cause I can see your face right now, looking at the smile on your face it's and that good. kind of speaks to food has food has, it serves two purposes. It's for physical fuel, but it's also for emotional benefit and joy. And I, I think that's that. the way God designed it because I'm pretty sure that your dad's not eating that pie no. every day or every week or every month. It's He'd like want to, but then say, <laughs> yeah, he wouldn't be here. And, <laughs> but <laughs> 
but we that, definitely always yeah. have that on our table for the holidays. Cause that's his, that's his that's awesome. favorite. And now it's of course, Ben, my husband, he's like, when are you making this? Oh, he loves it too. <laughs> oh, he loves it too. <laughs> that's funny. Well, um, not to like, you know, I just wanted to shift gears real quick. Cause I know we have, um, listeners too, that are probably following you, um, uh, Mary Ellen also. And, um, after sweetly stalking your website, as I mentioned earlier in your blog, I was just really impressed. Um, you've grown an amazing, successful business and brand. And I just wanted to know if there was a few things or a couple things that you could point to that really helped, um, your business grow that you implemented that you, you know, saw a success with or just to our working moms out there or maybe somebody that's listening that is building a new business or has an idea yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I started Milk and Honey Nutrition originally is what I thought was going to be like a private practice seeing clients um, when my youngest was about six months old, um, realized the stay at home mom life wasn't really what I wanted anymore, which I thought it had been. Um, and for the first about 18 months, I'd see clients, you know, here local to the Houston area. Um, you know, I kind of put effort into my website and my Instagram, um, but I wasn't really happy. But I also finally about 18 months in, I hired a business coach and I also started investing in like online business courses, social media courses, things like that. Um, and it really hit me when I said, if you think of it as a side hustle or a hobby, it's always going to be a side hustle or a hobby. Mm -hmm. And so um, when I kind of shifted frames and really started looking at who do I want to talk to? How do I want to delegate my time? And yeah, early on, I was working way more than I would want to for the amount of money I was making. Um, but you know, I saw these other dietitians online making money working with brands and commodity boards and being media spokespeople. And I thought, I want to do that. I can, mm -hmm. you know, be there at pickup line at carpool to get my kids, you know, still and still get to work during the day kind of thing. And so really kind of that mental shift and then just investing in my business and training. And I'll put another shameless plug. Um, if there's any uh, aspiring food bloggers or dietitians listening, I actually have a business course I created with another um, dietitian who does kind of what I do different tar target audience, but same, uh, type of work um, that we've created to really kind of help so that you don't have to sit there for 18 months wondering what the heck is happening? Why, where am I going off? Um, but that would be my biggest thing is if you want it to be a full-time gig and generate some income, treat it like that. Devote the time before you start making that money. I love that. I love that you, you sought out a business coach too. That's amazing. Just, you know, getting the extra, you Did know, you like Google for a business coach. Like how do no. you find a business coach? <laughs> so it, um, I think just through like Instagram communities and I joined like a few Facebook groups online, this one girl who, um, the way she talked about, she was specific to food bloggers and I just liked her message and her approach to it. She was like me. She was a, a mom who had young kids and she was working doing this and, you know, also able to be home when she wanted to with her kids. Um, and so that I don't, I kind of, um, and she would say the same thing, but kind of outgrew her services and coaching because she was meant for those people first starting out. Um, but I wouldn't have trade, I wouldn't trade my time that I had with her for anything. She was vital to the growth of my business. 
And I love that you have such a positive aspect. And even early on, it sounds like a mindset where you said, okay, I'm going to shift my thinking on this. I don't want it to be a side hustle. You know, I'm going to, it's just very positive. And I love that. And even just, I know our listeners can't see you, but you're just like, you just radiate joy and like, just, it's so, you're so sweet. You've been so nice to have on. Is there something that you do like any kind of self-care that you do uh, frequently or what are your thoughts on that? Or how do you just keep that positivity going? (laughs) Yeah. So I was laughing when, uh, you guys were, um, we were kind of chatting about what questions you were going to ask. And so one of the things that I actually love to do, um, it, without my children, let me preface it with that, uh, is, uh, and probably without my husband is actually go grocery shopping. Um, oh. we, I love, I love the grocery store. Um, but I think that's why I get such joy talking about what I do for a living and talking about food is cause I, I really do like it. Like I really do enjoy it. Um, that's probably the second place that I get pretty grumpy is at the grocery store. <laughs> <laughs> Megan's Megan's self-care is not oh, at the grocery yeah. store. Well, and so that's actually, I got interviewed um, by a magazine recently asking me my thoughts on like grocery delivery and curbside. Oh, and I'm like, it. by all means, do it. If yeah. the grocery store is not your happy place, do not set foot in there. Um, yeah. You know, I, you got to do what works for you curbside is my happy place and, you know, ordering things online and just hitting the little go button and then I'll pick my time (laughs) and go pick it up. And it's funny because my uh, stepmom, she's a huge cook and she's more like you where she, I mean, the idea of curbside for her is why would I do that? I love going to the grocery store and she goes multiple times a week and, you know, where I am in the mindset, I've got a meal plan for the whole week. Otherwise we're going to eat out, you know, seven meals and go broke. <laughs> so yeah. I'm, I'm doing the curbside for sure. Yeah. I think you just have to figure out what works for you and you know, what, uh, what's going to make that food space as easy and as happy as possible That's for your family. Cool. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's great. Mary Ellen, is there anything else that you want to end with before we wrap this up? I know that you know, you're, you're a working mom, but you have kids to go pick up too. <laughs> yeah, no, And that's the I joy mean, of it all. Yeah. I really appreciate getting to talk to you guys. And if anybody listening to this has questions or other things you'd want to ask about, you can pretty much reach me on almost any platform there is. Um, if you go to my website, there's a form you can fill out, shoot me a message on Instagram, pre-order my cookbook, um, yeah. you can find me on Facebook. I'm even on TikTok. I feel all young and hip. So, <gasps> whoa, what are you doing on TikTok? Are you doing some of your like cooking? More like educational okay. tips. Um, I don't, I don't do crazy <laughs> dances that these that the young kids are doing. Uh, uh, no, it's a fun platform too. But yeah, any of those you can find. That's me. Awesome. Well, thank you so so much. I have loved. Um, just visiting with you today. I have my list of things that I am going to, the dishwasher is going to be first. Uh, <laughs> so I have my list of things that um, I am going to start implementing in the kitchen today. So thank you so much. I appreciate you. Yes. Thanks, Mary Ellen. We really appreciate thank you taking you, the time to join us. And I know that everybody listening will be able to just be reminded have of how there is joy in the kitchen and we can find it and... It's just waiting for us. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Meg, that was awesome. I am so glad that we had a few minutes just to sit down and chat with Mary Ellen and just be reminded of how important it is to 
bring joy back into the kitchen and that food is good. You know, it, it's emotional and we can make it fun and exciting. And um, I just, I love what she had to share about that. Yeah. I mean, I have my my list of things I'm going to try and implement. <laughs> the dishwasher is number one, please. Yes, that's going to be gross, but I'm going to take care of it ASAP for sure. Yeah. And I think for me, getting the kids in the kitchen is going to be at the top of my list of, you know, just inviting them in because my daughter, she does love to cook. And so I think that that's going to be something that I want to help encourage in her, you know, and instead of not doing that. So this will be good. This was great. Yeah. So everybody, we will have links for you in our show notes um, to Mary Ellen's website, milkandhoneynutrition.com, as well as her Instagram and other things for you to connect uh, with her. And then don't forget about her cookbook that's coming out. Pre-order that by January 26th and you, you get a bunch of bonus recipes and meal plans. And I'm definitely going to go order that. Me too. I'm all about the meal plans and they can pre-order that on her website, Milk and Honey Nutrition, right? Uh, yeah, but I think it's also on Amazon and the Barnes and Noble and we'll link all of that in the show notes. Okay, perfect. Um, well, if you have enjoyed listening to us, we would be so honored if you would subscribe to our podcast. You can also find us on all the social media places. Well, at- not, not TikTok. Well, not, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not doing Well, we're going to dance our podcast. <laughs> Anyways, we've enjoyed um, having Mary Ellen on today, and we would love to connect with you. So make sure you go and find us um, in all the places and have some fun in the kitchen. Yeah, go find your joy in the kitchen. be great Meg Meg, Meg. Oh, God. that's my name it's okay gonna... <laughs> <laughs> we're not too fantastic for little like you know little bloopers you really want me to Sorry. keep going no <laughs>